Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. All right, welcome in. It is In Defense of the Big 12. Brad Kellner, he's in Austin, Texas. Tyler McComas in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. I know it's been a while since we've been with you guys, whatever, okay? But it was Hanukkah, or it is Hanukkah. It still is Hanukkah, right? Is that right? Yeah, the eight crazy nights have come and gone, my friend. Uh, Our time is over. Do you, uh, do you watch Eight Crazy Nights, by the way, every single year oh. with Adam Sandler? You know, I usually do. This year I didn't, but uh, <laughs> I feel like I might be smitten by God or Moses for not uh, watching Adam Sandler's Eight Crazy Nights this year. But hell, in 2020, yeah. it's been 365 days or damn near 365 days of, uh, of crazy nights. So uh, maybe I'm off the hook this time around. Yeah. Hey, uh, you know the drill. Fill in the comment section here because a lot has happened in the Big 12. We have a new Big 12 champion, uh, which, really? by the way, well, not a new one, but you know, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to play. Uh, I'm trying to play a song here. I guess it's not going to let me. Is that coming through? By the way, no, I'm hearing a dog barking in the background. I yeah. don't know if that's what you're. Well, you get about. it. It's "We Are the Champions" by Queen. I don't need oh, to play it any longer. Man. Oklahoma wins a conference again for the sixth year in a row. Hey, they tried to blow it though. Yeah, what was that? What was that about? What was going on with Lincoln Riley in the second half of that football game? I mean, that was a blowout. Oklahoma was in control, and all of a sudden, you know, give Iowa State credit, right? Their defense stepped up. They made some plays. You know, Brees Hall got some things going. The Cyclones offense started to figure some stuff out against that OU defense. But, man, it almost feels like it was a a lot of self-inflicted stuff by OU that allowed Iowa State to creep back into that one on Saturday. They had the deep ball to Trajan Bridges that was right on the money. If he catches that, it's – you're not in that situation late in the game. It's probably over. Um, I don't know, man. I I think Lincoln Riley is great in a lot of areas, but sometimes he's not the greatest game manager. We saw that against Texas earlier this year. I think he just tries to go for the kill shot when instead a 11 or 12 play drive when you're running the football right at somebody can be your kill shot. You know what I mean? Yeah. He, uh, he just tries to deliver that knockout blow, but – you can't complain because this OU defense, boy, I mean, it, you talk about in two years, they've got it fixed, and it's the reason why they're Big 12 champs once again. Ronnie Perkins, what he was able to do on Saturday was fantastic. Perry on Winfrey, same thing. Nick Benito, they got after Brock Purdy all afternoon long. And my big question heading into this game is, are we going to see good Brock Purdy or are we going to see bad Brock Purdy? And bad Brock Purdy showed up, man. Oh, man. Yeah, we didn't have an episode last week to talk about the all Big 12 teams that were dropped last Ooh, week. That was a and deal. I think it surprised everybody that Brock Purdy was first team all-conference quarterback. And it's voted on by the coaches, right? This is not a media poll, so you can't blame us for this one. The 10 Big 12 coaches 
voted on this. And for some reason, they voted Brock Purdy as the first team all-conference quarterback. Now, look, he played really, really well down the stretch, and he helped lead Iowa State to a conference championship game for the first time in their history in the Big 12. So I guess you give him credit for that. But, man, we were on this podcast all year long basically saying how Iowa State was winning in spite of Brock Purdy. Like especially early on, right? They were he was really, really struggling. He was turning the football over. He was making bad decisions. And it felt like more often than not, he was not good, right? He was a little bit of a liability for that yeah. Iowa State offense. And we saw that Brock Purdy show up on Saturday. It was the bad Brock Purdy. Three interceptions, including obviously the dagger at the end, where I don't know what the hell he's doing, right? They still have a fourth down play if he just throws it away. He just chunks right. up a deep shot and it goes right to uh, to Trey Brown. Give him credit, right? That guy's been through some stuff, and he's been a part of the whole Oklahoma defensive turnaround, so I'll give that guy some love. But, uh, man, it it really came down to Brock Purdy just doing what he did early on this year and doing what he did way too often over the course of the season, and that was making bonehead decisions, and it cost the Cyclones. I saw you tweet something out on Saturday. I can't remember exactly what it said, but it was – you know, OU was reloading this year and everything that happened and Texas had a four-year starting quarterback and everything and they're not in the game. I I do feel like there probably has to be the sense around the league that God, Oklahoma won it this year. They're about to be really good in 21 and 22. I mean, are we about to be talking about a Kansas basketball type of streak here? Man, it sort of feels that way, doesn't it? I mean, it really does. Just the dominance, the stranglehold that Oklahoma has had on this conference, right? What is it, 14 Big 12 titles now since 2000? They've had nine different quarterbacks who have won those conference championships as as well. So it doesn't matter who the hell OU trots out there at QB. Hell, they switched head coaches, and Lincoln Riley's obviously finding a way to do what Bob Stoops was able to do on a very, very consistent basis. So, man, it definitely feels that way. And we were both saying it at the time, right, when Texas-Oklahoma happened, and obviously the Longhorns – had every chance in the world to win that football game. Hell, it went to four overtimes. Like that would obviously been big for Texas. It would have been it would have put Texas in the driver's seat to get to Arlington, but it really would have delivered the knockout blow to Oklahoma more than anything else. And you know, Oklahoma they started to find their way after that Texas game. They obviously got hot and they found a way to get it done. But yeah, it, it feels like this was the worst Oklahoma team in the last five years. And obviously Spencer Rattler will be back next year. You'll have some pieces to replace, but man, I think Oklahoma, like you said, is probably going to be better in each of the next two seasons. So that is a bad news for the other nine teams in this league. A lot of kudos to Matt Campbell and Iowa State, man. What they built there is is really impressive. It's not a fluke that they got there. Like they're a really talented, they're a good football team, man. Brees Hall's good. Xavier Hutchinson is is good. They're like they're good at every single position now, man. Offensive line, they're up for the Joe Moore Award. Xavier Hutchinson, again, he's going to be one of the best receivers in the conference. Brees Hall was the best running back in the league. Brock Purdy, though I disagreed with it, was first-team all-conference at quarterback. And then they've got talent littered all over the field at, on, on defense. And you talk about developing some three-stars and some two-stars up yeah. there in Ames. What Matt Campbell and Iowa State did, like this wasn't a one-year fling. As, as long as he's there for the next year or two, and maybe even beyond that, they're they're going to be a tough football squad and one of the better ones in this league. Yeah, I mean, that's the biggest question with Iowa State, right? How much longer is Matt Campbell going to stay? And look, there's been rumors about him leaving the last two offseasons, and he stayed. So maybe he stays this offseason as well, right? Who knows what Michigan is going to do, whether or not they're actually going to make a move with Jim Harbaugh. Who knows what Texas is going to do, although I'm not too sure Matt Campbell would love to take the Texas job. Doesn't seem like a great fit for him. And yeah, he's got things rolling in Ames, man. I mean... I don't have the stats in front of me right now. I know we've talked about him 
on this show in the past, but what Matt Campbell has done in Ames is just unprecedented. And he has turned Iowa State into a very, very good football team. And they have to be on your short list for contending teams next year, right? I, I, I think Brock Purdy probably will be back next season. Uh, Brees Hall, I, I'd be surprised if he comes back, right? It seems like you got to strike while the iron's hot. I, I don't know if his yep. draft stock can get any higher than it is right now. Uh, you know, maybe you lose Mike Rose on defense. You probably lose two, if not three, of those tight ends. But outside of that, I mean, Iowa State's got a lot of guys coming back. And, of course, the eligibility waiver allows for everybody to come back this year. So, yeah, I mean, Iowa State, they, they should be a top three or four team uh, at worst going into next season in conference play. All right, since uh, a lot of you guys are uh, coming into the chat now, which, by the way, fill in the comment section, I know we haven't been here in a couple weeks, and I believe in being very, very honest and open with people. Uh, the reason why we haven't been on for the past couple weeks is we've been on OnlyFans. We've been on OnlyFans. Uh, we've created our own accounts. The two and of us together. We're trying to generate revenue yeah. that way is through OnlyFans. And mm. So far, not good. Yeah. Not good revenue there on OnlyFans. But in all seriousness, um, would love to keep this podcast going in defense of the Big 12. I think I speak for Brad when I say – we're really proud of this product and we're proud of the uh, community that we're starting to build here. Uh, we're just, uh, we're looking for some revenue, man. We're looking for some revenue, Brad. And if anybody can get a tip or give us a tip or a lead on some ad revenue that could flow into the show, we would, uh, we, we would, we would be very, very appreciative if that could happen. Yeah, no, that's well said. I mean, love the community here, right? We've got some regulars who uh, will join us Mondays and Thursdays, 10 to 11. It's been great seeing this thing grow, but yeah, we'd love to find a way to put uh, some jingle, in our pockets if uh, if that's possible so yeah if you got any leads if you know anybody if you're yourself watching and you're interested in maybe uh sponsoring this show and allowing it to continue uh, we would appreciate the support but hell y'all just uh y'all watching for now is uh is pretty solid we appreciate y'all spending some time with us yeah uh when upset lincoln riley is maybe my favorite one. I mean, what he said before the game on the Sooner Radio broadcast, what he said after the game, he basically said he's going to send all the coaches in the league a gift basket for not voting any of his guys. Yeah. First team all Big 12. He said something to the effect of, man, look at those teams. You, It's pretty amazing we were even able to win a game. Like, yeah. pissed. Ah, I mean, he should be, right? <laughs> like, he, he should be. I mean, Spencer Rattler should have been first team all-conference quarterback. And I honestly think – we, we talk about this in the NBA. We talked about it. I didn't talk about it. I'm a little bit too young. But I know this was a conversation when Jordan was dominating the league, and it's a conversation with LeBron now, right? I mean, it, it is an absolute travesty that LeBron James only has four NBA Most Valuable Player awards. Yeah, like, He's been the best player in the league for a decade plus at this point, and he only has four MVP awards. And I think a lot of the reason why that's the case is because of voter fatigue, right? Like, uh, we could easily give this to LeBron every year, but, like, come on. Uh, look at the year Derrick Rose had. Like, Derrick Rose might never win it again, so let's let's give Derrick Rose the MVP, right? Let's switch it up a little bit because uh, LeBron could always win this thing. I almost feel like Big 12 coaches are so sick and tired of Oklahoma quarterbacks being named first-team all-conference QB, right? I mean, Hurts was there last year, and then yeah. Kyler, and then Baker a couple of times in a row before that. It's like, hey, this might be our only opportunity – because Rattler could be back the next two years if he wants. 
and he's obviously going to get better as his career moves on. This might be our only chance in a long time to not have an Oklahoma quarterback as the first-team all-conference quarterback. I legitimately think that went into this decision, which is absolutely stupid because even though Rattler struggled at the beginning, I know he got benched for a while in the Texas game. He was the most efficient quarterback. He was the best quarterback in this league. He should have been the first team all conference, and he wasn't even second team, right? He was snubbed altogether. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you make of what do you make of no selections on the defense? Because this is the best defense, in my opinion. OU's had in a, in a decade, and yeah. you can make a strong argument that they're the best defense in the league. Now, there's a thought out there that the coaches are like, "Jeez, man." I mean, now they got a defense to go along with everything. Like, there's a thought that there was some, you know, we're not going to put any Oklahoma guys on this list because we recruit against those guys and we don't need them marketing anything more than what they can already market. I don't know if I'm really going there, but Mm. it's just very curious that not one player on OU made it. Yeah, I mean, y'all should be pretty pissed as Oklahoma fans. And look, you keep winning the league, right? Ultimately, that's what matters more than having guys on the first team all-conference list. And it's not like... It's not like we're talking professionals, right, where they have these bonuses in their contract where they make more money if they're pro bowlers or if they're all NFL or all con- or all whatever. Uh, but, yeah, no, it's a joke. I mean, Nick Bonino had to be on there, right? I mean, maybe not Ronnie Perkins because he was suspended and he missed half a conference play, although you could still make the case he was so damn good in the second half of the season that he should have found his way on there. But you had to have at least one guy on there. Nick Benito had to be on there. You could make a case for maybe Fields, uh, maybe someone in that secondary as well. I'll, I'll see to you on who you think should have been on that list. But the fact that they didn't have any, considering how good their defense got down the stretch of the season, is uh, is a joke. Isaiah Thomas should have been on that yeah. list for yeah. sure. Uh, he had a great year. Nick Benito, sure. I'm okay with Ronnie Perkins not making the list just because, I mean, it was, it was kind of his fault why he wasn't there for half the season. But – was he one of the best defensive linemen in all the Big 12, regardless of how many games he played? You're damn right he was. Yeah. You're, <laughs> and same thing for Perrion Winfrey was there the entire year, and he was fantastic, and he didn't get anything either. So I don't know, man. It was, uh, it was super curious, but Lincoln Riley seems to, in a way, appreciate it because it fueled his team heading into that game. So, so I got to ask you this, man. I mean, is winning the Big 12 even fun for y'all anymore? I mean, so, like, it, it's six years in a row. Like, it, yeah. it, it feels like the goal now is to take that next step and win a playoff game and obviously win your first national championship since 2000. Like, do OU fans still get a lot of pride out of winning this league? Or at this point, is it so expected to where it's like, it's not even that cool? This isn't a this year thing. This is the past few years type of thing is because I do a post game show just like you do. And every time OU wins a Big 12 championship, like I have to – Tell OU fans and tell them why they should be grateful and they should be thankful for being able to continue in the league. Because that's it. It's like, well, this league sucks anyway. I mean, we're just, it's not a big deal to win this league. What have you really accomplished? Like, OU fans are very spoiled in that aspect because it's just, that's just what you do. I mean, that's what you're accustomed to doing. Like, the year you don't win a Big 12 next, hell, they won it six years in a row. They could win it eight, nine years in a row. If they don't win it that 10th year, somebody's probably going to get fired or at yeah. least be on the hot seat during the year. So, yeah, man, there's just not this mass celebration of OU fans saying, yes, we won the Big 12 again. It's more like, well, when are we going to get over the hump? What, what, what's yeah. to come next? When are we going to finally win the big one? Yeah, it feels like next year you've got a good opportunity to do that. And we'll obviously have to see how this offseason shakes out and who goes and who stays. But uh, – 
there's a chance for this Oklahoma team to be very, very talented. Obviously, Spencer Rattler coming back, he's only going to get better. And we've lost Tyler. <clears throat> Excuse me, we've lost Tyler. I guess his uh, his stream in Oklahoma City didn't work, or he's popping too much champagne after Oklahoma won the conference championship for the sixth straight year. And as a Texas fan, it's absolutely killer. And I tweeted it out over the weekend. And we've got some Texas fans who check in on this thing. I mean, absolutely frustrating when your biggest rival keeps winning this conference. And it was supposed to be a rebuilding year for Oklahoma. And they lost the first two conference games this year. It felt like they were going to be done. And then meanwhile, Texas with the senior quarterback, a very experienced roster, fourth-year head coach. Hell, 24-7 sports ranked the UT roster as the fifth most talented roster in the country this year. The fact that Texas couldn't even get to the game this year makes it even more frustrating. So we got Oklahoma. We're having conversations like, do you even care about winning the Big 12 anymore because it happens so often? And then Texas, it's like, my God, I, people would give up their firstborn child to win the Big 12 down here. It's been so damn long. Um, I think Tom Herman should be fired at the end of this year. I guess I'll get an update from you on that. I think he should be fired for his on the field performance, but he's got the number 17 class for Texas right now. Yeah. That in itself, I think is damn near a fireable. And, and it could get worse than that. Potentially. I don't know what targets they have out there left, but you know, missing out on Brockermeyer, the Quinn Ewers, just all the bad recruiting news that they've had. I mean, it's, I, I, I don't know, man. I, they, they gotta be done with it. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I mean, it feels like a transition class, right? This is the lowest-ranked recruiting class the Longhorns have had since Charlie Strong transitioned over to Tom Herman. And yeah. if Tom Herman remains the coach at Texas next year, it'd be the lowest-ranked recruiting class Texas has ever had in a year that they did not change head coaches, right? Man. So the two previous worst classes were the Mac to Charlie class and then the Charlie to Tom class. So it feels like that's where you're at, and you just don't want to be USC, I mean, that's what USC has been with Clay Helton over the last few years. I know USC played for the Pac-12 title this year, and I, you know they were ranked for most of the season, but USC is in a bad way. They've struggled on the recruiting trail. They haven't been competing where they're accustomed to competing because they have a lame duck coach, right? Like every year, USC goes into the season thinking that, all right, if Clay Helton loses two games in a row or if he starts one and three, then he's going to be gone. Like you can't have that if you're Texas. So you got to make the move now. There's all sorts of conspiracies out there, right? There's some people who still believe Urban Meyer's on the table, which I'm sure is wishful thinking. But the, the big conspiracy down here now, Tyler, is you know, Urban Meyer, if he gets back into coaching, he would want to take some of the assistants who are at Ohio State right now, right? Yeah. Some of the guys who are on staff when he was at Ohio State. But Urban Meyer loves Ohio State so much, and he doesn't want to tarnish his legacy at Ohio State that – he doesn't want to take the job right now. He doesn't want to take the Texas job right now. He wants to wait until Ohio State season is done. Right? He wasn't going to hurt their chances to win a national championship by taking the Texas job and then taking a few staffers away from Columbus or at least like having that overhanging over Ohio State when they get ready for these two playoff games. So there's still a belief that, oh, once Ohio State season comes to a close, then Urban Meyer is going to take this Texas job because who can turn down Texas, Right. So there's still that belief out there. And even if it's not Urban Meyer, there's still a lot of people who believe, like you and I believe, that a move needs to be made. And the question becomes, like, if if not this year, like Urban Meyer's not going to take the Texas job next offseason, right? Like, if he doesn't take it now, he's not going to take it next year. So who's going to be there next year that's not there this year? That's the exact same thing I've been saying this entire yeah. time. Like, it really what, is. What candidate, like, you're not going to get a – a Dabo or a Brian Kelly or someone huge yeah. next year if you can't get him this year, right? So it's like you may you may have to settle for a worse name because 
your next recruiting class could be even worse if it's just written on the wall that yep. Tom Herman's going to get fired, you know? Exactly. exactly. And, and I guess like what, what I thought is, I, I don't know a whole lot about CDC. It sounds like he's done some great things. The hangout area outside the football games. He got a nice women's basketball hire. He's he's had some nice good hires outside of, of football, but I don't know. I, I hate to just throw out the word lazy, but it was just like, oh, we don't get Urban Meyer. Okay, we're moving forward with Tom Herman. Well, yeah. why don't why don't you have a short list? You knew a year ago that this was going to be a possibility. Why don't you have a short list prepared? Why haven't you been doing your due diligence and you know seeking out names in case you got to the spot? I I yeah. thought that was no, exactly. I mean, if that's not the case, which at this point it doesn't feel like there really was a contingency plan, then that's a joke. I mean, this this should have been talked about after last season, right? I mean, after Texas finished the regular season seven and five. You should have started vetting other candidates for the future just in case 2020 didn't go the way you wanted it to go, and it didn't, Uh, especially, I mean, after this year, right? After the back-to-back losses to TCU and Oklahoma, it's like you you got to start making calls right now, right? You got to figure some things out because, well, one more loss and your team's not going to play for a conference title, and that was your only goal going into this season. So, yeah, you bring up a good point about CDC, right? He's, He's done some great things here. Uh, Bevo Boulevard, the hangout area you're talking about is awesome, right? Providing like a real tailgating type of experience outside of DKR. That's great. He's fundraised incredibly well. Uh, the South End Zone project going on at the stadium. He built the Athletics Hall of Fame in the North End Zone. He's got a new basketball arena, right? The Moody Center coming in a couple of years. Like he's he's done everything right. And he's made some great hires, women's basketball and softball, knocked him out of the park. But the only thing that ultimately matters at the end of the day is, is football. And look, Texas can money whip people in other sports, right? Like they got their they got their basketball coach from Mississippi State. Mississippi State's not going to pony up money for women's basketball like Texas will. They got their softball coach from Oregon. Oregon's not going to pony up softball money like yeah. Texas will. Every other school is going to pony up football money, right? Because that's the money maker at every school. So you you can't just go out and money whip to get whatever coach that you want out there. So this is actually the toughest coaching search by far that CDC is going to have to make. And he's never had to make a huge hire like this, Tyler. I mean, you look back when CDC was the AD at TCU, Gary Patterson was there when he got there. Gary Patterson's still there. Uh, Jamie Dixon, the basketball coach hire he made, good hire, fell right into his lap because Dixon got fired by Pitt and he's a TCU guy. Yeah, like he wanted to go there. So it's like CDC has never had to make a hire anywhere close to this and there's no doubt he has handled this poorly to this point. Now, obviously, he has the chance to redeem himself if he gets it right. But to this point, it has not looked good at all. And it feels like he did not have much of a contingency plan if Urban Meyer said no, which as of now, that's the case. That CDC statement was cryptic in a lo- in some ways, oh. for sure. It was not revealing. Is, is this over? Like, do you really believe that Tom Herman is going to be the head coach at 2021, or is there, is there more to come with this? Game? I don't know, man. I, I almost feel like I'm, I'm being an idiot, and it's just wishful thinking, thinking that there's a chance that Tom Herman is not back, right? I mean, it's all, it's all rumor except for that statement, but that was such a cryptic, to use your word, statement. I mean, it was so vague. It was, it was so half-assed. It was also so disrespectful, Tyler. It was so yeah. disrespectful. Like, the second paragraph, it was a two-paragraph statement. The second paragraph was all about how Tom Herman underachieved and how the team didn't do a good enough job, right? They fell yeah. short of goals and expectations this year. So that in itself is a little bit mean. CDC did not mention Tom Herman's first name in the statement. 
He just said, I want to reiterate that Herman is our coach. He didn't say Coach Herman. He didn't say Tom Herman. He just said Herman. Like that to me is just a backhand slap to the face, right? Yeah, there. I mean that's like his buddies, right? Growing up, were like, "Hey, Herman," you know, like, you know what? Yeah, like in like, a in official not, not a, yeah, like exactly. that. Yeah, like totally. Not yeah, a no. coach, not a Tom, and obviously everybody knew who he was talking about. But to me, that is like very that is very disrespectful, dude. In yeah. a prepared statement to not mention the guy's first name, right? To just call him that, like I found that a little bit ridiculous. So. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a very half-assed vote of confidence. And, it, you know, once again, could be wishful thinking, could be just trying to keep hope alive that a move is made, that Tom Herman's not back next year. But it was funny. It was kind of, We kind of had a source off here in Austin between some of the insider sites, right? Like a few insider sites reach out to Chris Del Conte after that statement and said, yo, does this mean, does this mean 2021 he's back next year? Does this just mean like right now through the bowl game? And CDC said, no, it means 2021 too. So a couple of websites and the Austin American Statesman ran with that. But then there were a couple of other sites that were like, no, no, no. People we're talking to says that that doesn't mean anything. It's just yeah. for recruiting, right? He did it a few days before signing day. He wants to make sure they can salvage this recruiting uh, recruiting class a little bit. So who the hell knows, man? Um, I, honestly, I I guess if you had to put money down, you should put money on Tom Herman being back next year. But is that 100%? Is that set in stone? I don't think that's the case. Yeah. Uh, Spartan Barton, did you guys enjoy your vacation? Yes. Yes. Brad, Brad did you enjoy Hanukkah, by the way? Was oh, it man, awesome? it was awesome. Good, it was great. Always, uh, always a special eight nights, man. I'll tell you what. Good. Uh, by the way, we got a bowl game today. How crazy is that? We just Ooh, really? talked about a big bowl championship. Yeah, North Texas plays in a bowl game today. You didn't know that? I, I didn't know that till an hour ago. I, swear. I had no idea. I had no yeah. idea. Uh, App State and North Texas in the Myrtle Beach Bowl. Okay. App State, App State only a 21-point favorite in that game. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's such a weird year with college football. I mean, this has been the worst year of college football ever, right? Like, yeah. uh, we, we can all say that. We're all – Glad that it happened. Oh, my God. The fact that we're going to be able to determine a national champion in this sport is fantastic because, what, four or five months ago, it looked like there was no chance that that was going to be the case. So I am grateful. Beggars can't be choosers. I'm just glad we had a a semblance of a college football season and we've been able to get to this point. But, uh, man, I mean, it's been a pretty crappy season. And you look at bowl season, I think that's just a microcosm of everything, right? I mean, you've got eight and three App State going up against four and five north texas today and you've got a bunch of teams opting out of bowl games a bunch of bowl games getting canceled you've got army who finished nine and two who won the commander-in-chief trophy who can't get in a bowl game meanwhile you've got like three win teams everywhere playing in bowl games it's just it's just such a such a bizarre year and there's so many problems with this bowl season but it's college football man so i'll be watching today and i'll i'll probably watch all of these bowl games and lose all my christmas money on, on half of them <laughs> By the way, uh, six Big 12 teams are in bowl games this year. Five of them are the betting favorites, except for Oklahoma. They are Ooh. minus or plus three against Florida. I think OU is going to beat Florida, by the way. I'm going to go ahead and say it right now. Yeah. Nine days out or whatever it is, which is crazy to say. Yeah, Spartan Barton, I forgot you're a Florida fan. OU's going to kick that ass coming up on December 30th. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. No, oh, no. Yeah. We'll see what other uh, opt-outs you have. Ooh, Spartan Barton, you're going to have to hear from your other SEC brethren all offseason how your team lost to a Big 12 team. Ooh. How embarrassing is that going to be, okay? 2021 is going to be pretty tough for you, Spartan Barton, the offseason. 
because the Sooners are coming, baby. Oh, they're coming in the Cotton Bowl. Don't you worry. Finally, Lincoln Riley's finally going to get his first bowl victory. It's coming. Oh, man. Yeah, it's going to be a hell of a game, right, outside of the playoff games. And, hell, you could throw in the playoff games in there, and this is still maybe the best game we have in bowl season, right, on paper at least. We'll see who, who opts out. I already saw Kyle Pitts, uh, the, the best tight end in this draft class, by far the best tight end of the country. He opted out for Florida. That's a huge, huge weapon for the Gators offense. So it'll be a little bit tougher for Kyle Trask and company. But on paper, this should be a pretty spectacular matchup. I'm leaning OU right now. Uh, I, I honestly feel like Oklahoma could beat two of the four teams in the playoff. Like I, I think Oklahoma would be favored in a game against Notre Dame. I don't know if they'd be favored against Ohio State, but I think they could beat Ohio State the way the Buckeyes have looked uh, this season. So I think OU's playing their best football. And uh, if nobody opts out for them, or at least no important players opt out for them, then I'd, I'd probably side with the Sooners in this one too. Florida's got Kadarius Tony uh, still. That He's dude a beast, is. dude. Dude, how fun was that game on Saturday night? It was. That I mean, was awesome. Yeah, and he was one of the many reasons why it was so exciting. I'm like, that dude is fast. Yeah. Damn. Oh yeah. No, nah, he he really is, man. I mean, he's like uh, like a Percy Harvin type, you know. Yeah, it works the same number too, right? Yeah, just get that dude the ball, and he's gonna make some stuff happen. Hopefully, hopefully his NFL career goes a little bit better than uh, than Percy's did. But yeah, yeah, I mean, there's there's a thought Spartan Barton saying that Tony's gonna opt out too. So if they lose all those guys, it's gonna be tough. They might get their ass kicked if they lose all mm. those guys. I'm telling you, OU's defense is good. Okay. Spartan Barton, all right. And Florida's defense has looked a little suspect at times this year, so we'll see. At at all times this year. At all times. And by the way, you know, the name of this podcast, In Defense of the Big 12, we have to defend the Big 12. I know we've done this before, but I feel like we need to bring it up again. Everyone's talking about how amazing of a game that SEC championship was. Oh, God, right. And it was spectacular. I loved it. 52-46, to Bama gets the win. I mean, both offenses marching up and down the field. You've got highlight reel play after highlight reel play, and it was back and forth, and it was a shootout, and it was a lot of fun. And everybody loves it when the SEC does it. But when the Big 12 was doing that for a decade plus, it's that league can't play defense worth the crap. When the SEC does it, it's, oh, look at how good these offenses are, man. These offenses are awesome. But when the Big 12 was doing it, and we were trying to tell you all, hey, man, our offenses are just really damn good and our coaches and coordinators in this league are really innovative, and they're ahead of the game. And at some point, everyone's going to be stealing all this shit. At some point, everyone's going to be copying what we're doing and bringing it to their conference, and it's going to work. We've been saying that for years in Big 12 country. And, of course, I knew it would happen. I think we all knew it would happen. The narrative didn't change. The narrative did not change. It's still the Big 12 couldn't play defense. Now, oh, the SEC is just so great at offense. It's it's terrible, man. I can't stand it. Oh, yeah. I mean, SEC fans, you should tell me, we don't play flag football in this conference. Yeah. Okay. Well, sure. Uh, I think Alabama's the best team in the country, but they gave up a you-know-what load of points to Florida on Saturday. So, what? I mean, I guess the SEC can have it both ways. It's like I tweeted out yesterday. Remember, if – remember, like let's remember the narrative that always happens. If Florida – loses to Oklahoma, it's only because Florida didn't care about being in the Cotton Bowl this year. That's the only reason. That's it. That's the only reason. It's not reason. because Oklahoma's better or better coach or anything like that. It's just because Florida didn't want to be in the bowl game. Let's all remember that. That's how it works, man. That is how it works. Or whoever plays Texas 
So that's uh, that's going to be Colorado, right? Colorado is not going to give a rat's ass about the. the oh, Alamo hey, Bowl. it sure. doesn't matter who Texas played. They show up to these Alamo Bowls and look like 05. No, I know, I know, I know. And I, I'm like, I'm glad that they're playing such a bad opponent, right? The the early line is Texas minus 12 and a half against Colorado. And I've got some buddies here in Austin who went to see you who watch Colorado every week. And they're like, dude, you got like, it's not even going to be close. So this is one of those games that like, even if Texas looks great and I don't know how many players are going to play, they're going to have some more opt outs. They've already had a few opt outs. I don't know exactly what to expect. Hell, they might have an interim coach by then. Who the hell, who the hell knows? Um, but even if Texas looks really good against Colorado, people aren't going to get their hopes up like they did after the Georgia game two years ago, like we did after the Utah game last year, right? Because Utah was a really damn good team that almost made the college football playoff in 2019. Like doing, taking care of business, winning a bowl game again against a team like Colorado, that's not going to do anything for, uh, for Longhorn fans, which is good because Texas has gotten on its high horse way too much, right? We always yeah. get overly optimistic and, and, and uh, overrate ourselves and, make our expectations too high. I don't think that's going to be the case for this team going into next season. Um, I'm happy for Iowa State, but I feel bad for them. This is the best bowl game that they've ever been to, and no fans can go to the game. Well, I mean, they shouldn't be in this bowl game. Can we be honest here? Oh, no, I agree. Indiana. If you're a three-loss team, you shouldn't be in a New Year's Six bowl game. So Iowa State, yeah, it sucks for their fans, right? Because they travel travel well. I mean, hell, in Orlando, they got their ass kicked by Notre Dame – last year, but they had a great turnout and Iowa state fans are solid. I don't want to take any shots at them because yeah, it is a bummer that they can't go to the Fiesta bowl, their first new year six slash BCS bowl ever, but uh, they, they shouldn't be in this game. So I, I don't want to hear too much complaining from Iowa state fans. They are, uh, they are fortunate to, to have three losses and get to play on new year's. Yeah. So no fans will be there, but I'm sure they'll still fly down to uh, Phoenix because boy, they showed up to Arlington this past weekend, man. There were a ton of Iowa State fans. They had the majority of the crowd, actually, at the Big 12 championship game. Yeah. No, I mean, this was their biggest game in a long, long time, right? They were going for well, their, their program's first- history. Biggest yeah. game in their program's history. Yeah. I mean, first conference championship, a, pe- or a chance to win a conference championship for the first time since 1912. And, uh, yeah, no, I think that's dead on. The biggest game in program history. And they fought hard, man. I mean, they looked – they looked scared. They looked inferior. They look. I mean, they look like how a lot of teams look like against Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship game, right? I almost think there's just such a mental block going up against the Sooners in that building because they just owned that building at this point. And Iowa State, early it looked like the moment was too big for them, but they fought hard, man. I mean, they had a great comeback in the second half, and then Brock Purdy just threw it away, man. Just a, yeah. a dumb decision. He had three dumb – hell, he had more than three, but three interceptions and – he, uh, he he cost his team dearly on Saturday, man. The bad Brock Purdy showed up at the worst possible time for the Cyclones. Oklahoma State, Miami, a little bit of an interesting matchup. De'Eric King going up against that OSU defense should be pretty fun. OSU is a two-point favorite right now in the cheese yeah. bowl out there in Orlando. I'm surprised that Oklahoma State's favorite in that game. Me I mean, I, I don't know Miami's opt-out situation, right? Maybe they're going to have a bunch of guys opt out. And I know the last time we saw the U, they were getting plastered by Mac Brown in North Carolina but uh, I, I think they're better than Oklahoma State. Just based off watching both of those teams play this year, I, I would expect Miami to win that football game. Which, by the way, Mac, uh, I already love you. I really do. But if you go beat A&M in this Orange Bowl, oh, then dude. I love you. Which, by the way, you know, A&M fans are going to play the victim and be all upset. But deep down inside, A&M fans are happy. 
A&M fans are happy that they don't have to go play Alabama and get again and get kicked around the field for 60 minutes. So this is best case scenario for them. They can go to the Orange Bowl and they can beat North Carolina. And for the next 40 or 50 years, they can whine and cry and say, but we should have been in the playoff. We're oh, a better man. team. You never know what would have happened when in reality – they're glad this happened so they wouldn't have to get embarrassed by Alabama again <laughs> on the national stage. Uh, All right. Are you actually talking to AM fans? Do they actually have this take or is this uh No, I that's that's my take. Like I that's what I think they will well, never admit it, but deep we want Alabama. No, you don't. You yeah. No, I mean if, if they do beat North Carolina, you're right. They are going to be complaining. And look, they they've got a right to complain. They really do. I mean, the playoff needed to be more than four teams. It always needs to be more than four teams, but especially this year. And I look, I know the SEC was way down this year, top to bottom, especially the SEC West, right? I mean, normally that thing is a gauntlet, but LSU was terrible. Auburn wasn't very good. You had coaching changes at the other three schools. Like it, outside of Alabama and AM, the SEC West was, was really, really bad this year. But still, I mean, you lose one game in that conference. I feel like you deserve a chance to be in the college football playoff. And my bigger qualm is the fact that like college football is the only sport, Tyler, the only sport at any level, college, pro, high school, middle school, peewee, overseas, anywhere where you can win every single game on your schedule and not have a chance to win the championship. It's stupid. It makes absolutely no sense. Now, am I going to sit here and tell you that I picked Cincinnati to beat Notre Dame or Ohio State? No, probably not. But that's why we love sports so much is because you never know. You never know what's going to happen, right? Give them a chance, man. They won every single game on their schedule in a pretty, pretty good American. Like, this was a decent year for the American Conference. I know it's not a Power Five, but, hell, the American was better than the Pac-12 this year, Tyler. Yeah. Cincinnati goes undefeated. They win their conference championship, and they keep going down, and they're below three-loss Florida in the rank. Like, it's an absolute joke. You got to fix the system. And I know it's not the case every year where you're going to have Cincinnati and Coastal and hell, San Jose State all going undefeated, right? I mean, that happened because of COVID and, and shortened schedules and no non conference games. I get it. But man, the fact that this sport, I mean, it's not a playoff, it's an invitational at this point. Like this sport, you can win every single game on your schedule and not have a chance to at least prove your medal against the big dogs is a, is a travesty, man. Cincinnati's not even the thing I'm most upset about right now, honestly. It's the fact that Coastal Carolina, they went on the road to Louisiana and beat them, which Louisiana's a top 25 football team right now. They kicked Iowa State earlier this year in Ames. And then on like Wednesday of a game week, they had to shift around and host BYU all of a sudden. A really good BYU team. Yeah, They beat that. They cleared every single hurdle that they had. They went 11-0, and and guess what? Not only do they not get a chance to play for a championship, they don't even get to go to a New Year's Six Bowl. They're in the FBC Mortgage Cure Bowl. Congratulations, Coastal Carolina. You won 11 consecutive games. Uh, you beat two top 20 opponents, and what's your reward? The FBC Mortgage Cure Bowl. Well, the worst part is right. they, have, they have to play Liberty. Like yeah. They don't even get to play a decent Power 5 team to like prove their worth. They get like if they beat Liberty, no one's gonna do anything. No one's like it's like oh, it's Liberty. They suck. Dude, they got you're right. I mean, they, they got absolutely screwed too. It's just such a flawed system, man. It really is. And you need more than four. Like, look, people will say, well, it's Clemson and Alabama, right? So it does it even matter? Like, if we had the BCS this year, 
Yeah. Everybody knows Clemson and Alabama are the two best teams. I'd be stunned if either one of them loses in their semifinal games. I mean, Bama's a 20-point favorite going up against Notre Dame. That's ridiculous. And, oh, by the way, the average margin of victory in playoff games since the college football playoff was enacted in 2014 is 20 points. These games haven't been close. So I, some people will say, oh, why do we want to add more teams? It's just going to be more blowouts. You just never know. And, man, if you don't lose, you have to be given the opportunity to compete for the championship. It just makes no sense. I'm not saying 16 teams. I'm not saying 32 teams. I'm just saying, can we get eight teams in the college football playoff? You look at every other league, right? I mean, college basketball, everyone complains they've got way too many teams in their their tournament. And you could make that case. They're only putting 19% of the teams in the tournament Mm -hmm. every year. Right, Major League Baseball, 33%. NFL, 38%. NHL, 52%. NBA, 53%. Everybody still watches those playoffs. There's nothing wrong with those playoffs, right? Those postseasons are all a lot of fun. Yet college football has 3% of its teams make the playoff every year. And, Tyler, I can already tell you the four teams who are going to be in this thing next year. It's going to be Alabama. It's going to be Clemson. It's going to be Ohio State. It's going to be Oklahoma. And if we're lucky, it might not be OU. It might be Georgia or Notre Dame. But that's it. Like that's it won't, it. it won't be anybody congrats. in the Pac-12, by the way. Yeah, yeah. So that's a good thing. I mean, congrats. There you go. Like this shit has become so unbelievably predictable. And yeah, okay, knock off the best. That's fine. But how are you supposed to knock off those teams if you're not even given a chance to knock off those teams? It is a very, very flawed system, and it looks even more flawed because of the COVID shortened year that we had in 2020. Yeah. Uh, Spartan Barton, you had a comment about if I was nervous about OU during the game. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I picked him to win 27 to 20. Before the game started, so I was actually pretty close. Nice, give it up to myself a little bit there. But on that final drive, I mean, how could you not be right? I mean, it was just like, wow, they're going to blow a twenty-four-seven lead. Lincoln's going to get killed for this because the line was drawn for OU heading into this game. The only way to make this a successful season is if you win the Big Twelve championship and probably got to win your bowl game. Even if you climb your way back into the Big 12 championship and lose, the thought is, oh my God, you lost to Iowa State? Iowa State twice in one year? Are you kidding me? Yeah. So the success or failure of the season rested on getting that final defensive stop. And uh, yeah, they were able to do that. We only have a couple more minutes remaining. Obviously, we won't be here on Thursday because it's uh, Christmas Eve. But we want to continue doing the show in defense of the Big 12. Again, we love the community that we built here. We love doing this. I think me and Brad just kind of like, you know, shooting the you-know-what for uh, for about an hour, a couple times a week. So if you have any leads on any potential sales clients that we could get to help us fund the show, we, we would love that. You can drop it in the comment section. You can uh, tweet at us. There's our Twitter handles right there on the screen. Um, anything and everything will help, guys, because yeah. we really want to continue to do this. We just need some sales leads to, uh, to continue to get this thing going. So if you got anything for us, uh, we'd be happy to pursue – just about anything. Um, hmm. Nothing. No. No. Nothing's out of the t- Christie's toy box. Oh, uh, nothing is really off the table. Yeah, give me, give me a triple X uh, video store, man. I'm, I'm in on D- that. Video right there on the Red River between Oklahoma oh, yeah. and Texas. Whatever it takes. Now, nah, man, we we love doing this. We've been doing this for free. No one feels bad for us. Don't feel bad for us or anything. We we've got day jobs. We're doing okay. We're fortunate to be healthy and employed uh, during this crazy 2020 year, but. Uh, we could find a way to put a little jingle in our pockets. We would love to do that to keep bringing this content, hopefully expanding this content uh, with guests and other things moving forward as well. We always appreciate the support, man. You guys have been great. It's been cool 
watching this community grow over the course of the football season. And uh, we'll definitely be back in some form or fashion in the not too distant future. Yeah, no doubt. So uh, we'll keep you updated on that until then have a Merry Christmas and a happy holidays. Uh, It's coming up this week. So have a great Christmas. Have a great bowl season too. Bowl season starts today. BYU and UCF play tomorrow. Harrison says, I want to see this through basketball. I think we do too, man, to be honest with you. Yeah. Because I, most people around me right now are all NBA. Look at that. It's a sexy I'm on the basketball right season, baby. I'm on the basketball season. Hey, you got a big one tomorrow night, by the way. So, whew. Yes. Yeah. Took care of business in Lubbock. By the way, I was at the Greg Brown, Kate Cunningham show in Austin yesterday. Ooh, which was what, they have like a 17-0 run to win Actually that game? Got the win. Yeah, it's big time. A lot of fun. So we'll uh, we'll be back. We'll report. But uh, okay. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays, like you said. And I'll let you close it, Tyler. All right. He's Brad Kellner. I'm Tyler McComas. We are in defense of the Big 12. We will talk to you in the not-too-distant future. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.